0: You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Lee, welcome to Real Faith Stories. So good to have you on the program today. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's an honor and a privilege. I was really interested in the story you shared with me when we first connected about how you felt called into the mission field. And then you had a 180 degree shift away from that into the business world and really business as a mission. I'd love for you to share that story with our listeners. But before you do that, could you please tell us a little bit about who Lee is? So I
1: grew up in a a small town outside of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the the minus 54 in the winters. And it's just normal life and you deal with it. So a kid from Canada, I was tired of the cold. So I was either going to move to Australia and live on the beach and surf just because I grew up skiing and snowboarding. I loved it. That was my life. But then, uh, figured I should probably do something productive with my life. And I met Jesus when I was about really got serious when I was about fourteen, and really just kind of felt called to to go do something for for him and and walk with him and learn how to how to be a a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. So I left, found a little Bible school on the East Coast in Virginia. And it was only 20 minutes from the beach. And I said, okay, I'll go there. (laughs) No real plan other than it was proximity to waves and sand. So while there, I had the privilege to travel and see the world and massive need and the kind of things that your heart gets kind of gripped for when you experience different cultures and really want to feel like you want to serve and leave an impact mm-hmm. met my wife there and we got married at my favorite surf spot in virginia and living off love on the east coast was difficult so moved <laughs> back to texas where she's from and it was funny is is felt like i'd left my heart scattered all over the world we we were in china got to serve in china together and the philippines and cambodia all throughout southeast asia Wow. And some pretty, pretty cool spots. And that really impacted me. So we got married. We got pregnant on our honeymoon. So had to had to learn to be a, a dad and a husband in a in a very short amount of time.
0: How old were you, Lee?
1: I was twenty when I got married. So I was young. But my, my backstory, I've really kind of been on my own since I was about thirteen. Kind of just my upbringing was pretty tough and whatnot. And I was a good portion of the reason why I wanted to move and just kind of get out of Dodge. So Mm -hmm. came back to Texas and I actually went to work in a rock quarry. We farmed rocks and sold it all over the world, but I ended up being 22 years old and running the entire operation. had a lot of favor, just kind of what was on my life and had a really big foray into business and leadership and, Organizations and processes and systems. And it was a very successful company. And I I loved it. I loved learning about business. And one of the things that I was tasked with was actually writing very significant, substantial checks every month because our company tied. It was a really interesting concept that was foreign to me. But the, the gentleman that I worked for was a very, just a great dude. And he loved to give this generosity was pretty amazing. So the money that we got to give went to friends of ours that my wife and I had met throughout the nations. And we got to support that would have a major impact. And these were not little checks to them. This was significant to them because of the scope of the business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there we got to see how the power of business coinciding with you know, mission and vision in the in ministry was able to, to have an impact. So long story short, uh, after about six years, seven years of running the show, my wife and I, we sold everything and joined an organization because that's where we really felt like we were going to have the most impact. And uh, we moved to Eastern Europe, sold my house, sold cars, sold my kids' bikes, everything. They were six and four at the time and we we moved to prague in the czech republic.
0: Dude, that is massive. What a shift.
1: Yeah, it was a big jump. So in that season felt like man, this is it. This is the pinnacle, the apex of following Jesus. Laying it all down, getting rid of everything for the kingdom.
0: I'm sure it totally felt that way.
1: It did. And I'll tell you what's funny is the kids bicycles is what really kind of made it all come into to the picture because I was a bad missionary in the traditional sense. I was there trying to find ways of how do I make a real impact in helping these guys beyond just teaching, preaching, leading worship, the classical sense. Uh They needed businesses. They needed income that would elevate. They needed all kinds of things that, unfortunately, the church has not been able to step in. And provide a real solution. And I was poor and I hated it. (laughs) I wasn't able to take care of my family the way I wanted to. And it was funny is, is sort of the climax of the whole, like, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this was when I actually couldn't buy my kids bikes for Christmas one year. Wow. And it really just hit home that like, I love business. I love being able to provide jobs provide opportunity for people. And that kind of was that shift. You uh, we were talking about 180 degree turns. I think mine was a 180 degree turn. It just, it just took a long time to make. It was like a yacht turning, right? <laughs> Eventually it's 180 degrees, but it takes a while to get around. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the after serving with the, our organization for a season. Was just was really bad at raising money. And I didn't like it, but I knew how to make money.
0: What was that conversation like, Lee, with your wife when you couldn't buy the kids' bikes for Christmas? You're living in Prague. You've got this desire to raise money to help other people really support themselves there. How was that discussion with her about potentially leaving?
1: Well, there was probably a lot of relief because my poor wife struggled with language. The the classic, I speak several languages growing up in Canada. French was, was sort of a second language. And when your brain's turned on, you, uh, you learn Mm. other languages quickly. Mm -hmm. So Spanish is pretty, pretty, pretty prevalent, but you know, the people who speak two languages are called bilingual people who speak three languages are trilingual, but somebody who speaks only one language is called an American. My (laughs) poor wife, my poor wife struggled. So the fact that she could probably go back to the deli and order turkey meat without getting looks was a, uh, You know, it was a big relief, I'm sure.
0: She embraced the whole idea of coming back to the States, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: what we both did. It was a very mutual, like, hey, this is probably, maybe this isn't what we were supposed to do. It's interesting, too. You get lots of naysayers, but none of them were willing to sell everything and go. So typical for people on the sidelines. So that was hard, right? There was a lot of, did we miss the boat? Did we fail? You know, you deal with all those emotions, but... At the end of it, every success journey I've ever been on is built off failure, but failing forwards.
0: What happened next after you moved back? What was your game plan?
1: Yeah, so everything we had basically shipped back on three crates. We boxed it all up. We moved everything. We got well, it was really cool. We got to give vehicle our vehicle away to one of our church planning families. And mm. it was a lot of sadness there because we knew we were making an impact, but it wasn't my Emma, my my oldest, you know, when we told her teacher and the principal of her Czech public school that she went to, I mean, they cried. You know, they were genuinely sad that we would have to leave and our neighbors. So it's like we knew we made an impact for whatever reason we were supposed to be there. Coming back, there was just a renewed vision and focus of, you know, I wanted to build something that was really going to have the same type of effect in the kingdom's eyes, just as much as somebody who felt called to a mud hut in Africa. Sure. And for me, that was building a business.
0: So where did you land and what happened next?
1: Yeah, so we landed in Texas. Kind of got sort of introduced. We had nothing. I had more when I first got married than when I came back from the mission field. So that was that's you know, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a journey in and of itself of rebuilding and really just learning how to trust and, and whatnot. And one of my best friends on the entire planet, he was in the real estate business, and he actually paid for me to get my license and go through that process. So I, I, I knew construction I grew up in Canada and in the trades and I, I loved the idea of real estate I didn't how to sell I love business so you know I'd read classic rich dad poor dad the listeners have never read it I encourage you to understand mm-hmm. liabilities and assets and how how each work for you and so kind of got into that world and did very well in that meantime I put myself through school got a business degree still raising a family and uh, had some opportunity to uh, just meet different individuals, kind of had forayed into some of the corporate world of real estate, brokerages and whatnot. And long story short, that 10-year journey took me to meeting my two partners right now, and and a third came along, and we started a private equity group. So we're here in Texas, and, and basically all that culmination of just, failing in Prague and stumbling through that life cycle of failure to where we're at today has been that 180 degree turn to, Mm. to seeing the success
0: that we are. It was a 10 year journey from the time you left Prague, came back to Texas and then started this company, correct?
1: Yeah, it's been, been about that long, maybe a little bit longer.
0: And you started the company four years ago?
1: Yeah, right up four years. And so we're, just truck, trucking along and, and loving every minute of it, and and really have redeemed a lot of what we thought we'd lost. You know, when I met my my partners, I told my wife, like, look, if we do this, I want to have fun. I want to have a culture that people can feel that feels like the kingdom that changes lives, that builds cities and rebuilds cities, and our focus really is to do that with what we do. So it's a really fun manifestation of what i believe the commandment and the decree for leaders in the kingdom to do here here on earth and it's just as holy as selling everything and going to africa and living in a hut in the traditional missionary sense
0: over that 10-year period before you started the company with your associates what's your sense of the type of communication you're having with the Lord over that period of time? What was He revealing to you? What was He building in your life?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, we were talking prior to us recording just sort of what my faith journey has been. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's a suddenly, suddenly the Lord came or suddenly Jesus did this in my life. And my life's never been like that. I'm a pretty like, just sort of put my head down and go. Type Mm -hmm. of a personality type. I'm not built for speed, but I know how to endure. Like I love triathlons. It's one of my favorite things to do, right? I love, I love to crossfit and get in the workouts and these grinders. You just got to keep chipping away. Mm -hmm. And that just fits my physiology. It fits how he's made me. And so for me, it's never been like suddenly the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord filled the room. It's never really been like that. For me, it's been a Just a, every day I'm going to stay disciplined. I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to find joy in the boredom and the the routine and really learning how to be very okay and comfortable and confident in my walk with him that even if it feels mundane, I know it's holy. I Mm. know it's full of his presence because this is what I have is today. Yeah. I have uh, on my wall here in my office, a poster. It's called Weeks of My Life, and it is basically a, a grid of weeks 1 through 52 at the top and then years 1 through 90 or 100 on the on the, the left-hand side. And as you fill out every week, you know you can see a visual picture. If I live to be 100, this entirety of these little squares will be black.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Currently, it's about a third of the way full, right? Yeah. And so – that weekly day in day out can feel so boring or so mundane, but man, to me, it's just as holy to be consistent and stay disciplined and focused on on what it is
0: He's given you to do. You know, one of the things you mentioned just a moment ago was being able to have joy in the mundane. Mm-hmm. How would you coach somebody to do that?
1: Yeah, a great book that has really given me perspective. Well, two actually. One is grit. By Angela Duckworth and Malcolm Gladwell's *Shoot*, so when he talks about ten thousand hours, I don't remember. Just Google, it will help you. But really, the, <laughs> we'll the put, I'll two, put it
0: in the show notes. We'll talk about put
1: it it. in the show notes. Yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect. Well, so basically, the whole concept of grit, like the the success indicators for most individuals, really isn't their talent level, their pedigree the genetic stock that they came from the thing that really differentiates people to see success and whatever they're looking for. And I believe it applies to the kingdom is their level of grit mm. and it can feel when it's boring. If you can find that next level of grittiness, it's amazing because I believe that's when you tap and get through If you you know, drill the well by hand, you got to get through that, that deadpan. And the first part of that water that comes up is real jippy. It it's not good water. You've got to keep going to mm-hmm. finally get to that wellspring of, of joy. And mm-hmm. it's, it really doesn't come unless you go deeper and deeper and deeper and stay grinding in a good, healthy way. And maybe grinding is not the right word, but co-laboring with the Father to see that level of joy come out. It is. It's a partnership with heaven to, to find joy in the mundane. It's, it's a perspective change. It's an entire renewing of the mind to see the mundane or the boredom as a real gift from heaven.
0: This is an incredible topic that we're touching on because I think many of us want to find these shooting star moments and we want to have them like every day. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs>
1: W- wouldn't it though, Brian? I mean, it would <laughs> be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome.
0: I'm with you. You know, and just like you said, before we started chatting, having fun is something that you said you love. You love to have fun. Sure. So I'm hearing that And the other side of it is I keep my head down and I just put one foot in front of the other every day and I am doing what I believe the Lord has called me to do day after day. And there is something incredibly powerful. It's like the whole analogy of water dripping on a rock, right? Mm -hmm. Over time, it wears the rock away. There's something so profoundly spiritual about that as well, because I believe the Lord deals with us in this way. Let's shift over to what you're doing now. Explain a little bit about the investments that you offer and things that you're doing. I'm amazed at what God has done to grow your business.
1: Thanks for asking. What we do is not complicated in the sense of the approach. Our focus is, so I have a private equity group and our primary investment is real estate. And our secondary kind of focus is what we consider asset backed lending. So we lend into specific sort of non-traditional areas that include film finance or high-end vehicles or other real estate operators in their projects. Mm -hmm. But our primary way we provide high double-digit rates of return backed by appreciating solid, tangible assets. For those of your listeners that, that are business people understand, there's a lot of frothiness in the market. I'm not a huge believer in Wall Street. Not that there's not great people out there. I don't understand it. So I like to put my money and my resources and help people build wealth on things that I have a whole lot more control over. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we primarily focus on is what 70% of Americans needs, which is good quality workforce housing, things that are in the $700 to $1,500 a month rents that... No matter what, if it's a boom time or a bust time, somebody needs a place to live. Mm. And our focus is we target primarily all off-market single-family portfolios or multifamily buildings, buildings that are all off-market in some sort of distressed value-add situation. We're vertically integrated where I have my own property management company, so I'll, I collect my own rents. My own construction company, so we handle all the value at. We're able to control the entirety of the process. Yeah. And by our fund structure, we basically take private capital and put that in our equity stack along coupled with our own money. And we go and acquire assets and take them through that process. You know, real estate to me is is the number one way for anybody to become a millionaire in America today. And it's not complicated, but what I have discovered is everybody wants to be a real estate investor until it's time to be a real estate investor. <laughs> so we provide the, uh, the benefits of it without the hassle of being a landlord.
0: How much have the tenants of your faith directly impacted the way you're investing and the way you're doing business? Please share.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Funny you mention that. To me, the Great Commission has two facets, right? Go make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, until I come. Mm -hmm. Well, that part until I come shows up in another spot where really kind of resonated with me and how I'm wired a whole lot more than the hey, move to Prague, do the disciple thing, find people, tell them about Jesus, baptize them, right? Yeah. So Jesus talks about the parable of the talents. A lot of people, you know, understand that as use your talent for God or go ahead and basically make a profit or whatever. But there's also the parable of the minas. Chris Ballatin actually had a phenomenal description of the parable of the minas. And one of the verses, I believe it's uh, Luke 19, 13, where Jesus says, do business until I come. And to me, that resonated as just as a holy commission. As the quote unquote great commission when he's ascending into heaven. Wow. And he's basically saying, No, put this money to work until I come. So he, you know, doles it out and he gives it to his subjects. And basically, one has 10 and turns it and multiplies it to another 10, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Well done, my good servant. the master tells him, He says, You can have authority. Not over ten more talents, but ten cities. yeah, and it was interesting is that whole concept to me was like, if I can show trustworthiness with money by multiplying money, that in essence allows me not to basically create more wealth, but gives me authority over cities. Mm. And the way that I focus our business to answer your question, is because of the track record of success and the way that we take money and multiply, not money for the sake of multiplying money's sake, like, yes, I have a a fiduciary to handle and steward other people's resources well, Mm -hmm. but inadvertently, I generate authority over cities. And to me, that has so much more impact than I ever could by being a quote-unquote traditional missionary the business owners the, the leaders in that community that are you know listen to your regular listeners need to know and understand that their primary tenant isn't to go make money make money just for the sake of making money but it's to generate authority over cities and specifically what we do by providing quality safe affordable, what we consider workforce housing, is in essence creates community that we provide the boundaries and the structures for people to experience that in every one of our communities or homes.
0: So I'm trying to wrap my mind around the authority piece over cities in a practical sense. How does that play out day to day when you are able to be very wise with your investing and then the Lord's like, I'll give you authority over these 10 cities? What does that actually mean?
1: yeah, that's a great question. It means because I add value to the city, I get a seat at Potiphar's table. as a Joseph who has the authority because of what it is we're able to do with the skills and the talents, and it's not just me. I've got an amazing team. like my team is world class mm. and and that's really to me, the greatest testament is taking a, a bunch of different random people and turning it into a world-class team. But it allows me, as the leader and the voice, is that authority gives me a voice at that table. I meet with mayors of cities. We meet with business development councils. We meet with you know individuals who have been elected to be voices for the representatives of the people. My influence is positive towards helping build sustainable communities solving massive needs we get to I mean my people that are on the ground bring me stuff all the time of hey there's this family they've been living in their car single mom they got three kids they've been living in their car for nine months oh man they're finally all, all on their feet can we get them some bedding can we get them some this man absolutely like, we may not be able to do that for everybody, but that one individual is just as important to the overall fabric of the city as the next guy. We just know we get to help where we are, where we can with part of our goal as a company and our and our mission vision uh, values, you know is working with single moms who are in abusive relationships to get them out of that into sustainable quality housing to allow them to be great parents, good role models, and it all starts with the home. So, redeeming that, giving opportunity for that to flourish for for people is really our underlying focus.
0: What is the name of your business, by the way?
1: It's called Key City Capital.
0: I love it. So, you're literally impacting culture. That's it. That's the essence of what God is doing through this thing. It's It's very powerful. 100%. You know, I have a friend of mine who has a ministry to business people. And he says, you know, what I try to get CEOs to see is that they are five-day-a-week pastors, and their flock, as it were, are the people that work with him. And the influence that a CEO has during the week is vastly superior potentially, right, to what they'll experience an hour or two at church on Sunday. Now, that's not to put down at all or minimize what pastors are doing. That's just the reality of how we spend our time.
1: It's funny you mention that. Like, obviously, we love the church. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the bride. Jesus died for her. He died for for people, right? And people comprise the local church, and we're supporters and proponents. And to your point, though, I have— way more influence with the people, not because I sign their checks, but with the people that I consider, you know, I've only got in our world, uh, which is a pretty big world. I only have one blood family relationship to my partners or brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's always a fun dynamic and, and, and whatnot. If you've ever been in a family business <laughs> and then my unbelievable VP of operations, she's married to one of my project construction managers. So mm-hmm. other than that, None of us are related. So it's not a family business. And if your any of your listeners are involved in family business, that's always a fun dynamic to navigate. But what I say we are is a business family. And I spend more time with these people than I do with my own family just because of the nature of the American Work Week, right? Yeah. And so we experience as a family all the underlings, the cultural underlings, the dynamics of family. That really actually create more homogeneity and connection than I've actually ever experienced in a local church, and it allows us to go to deeper levels of connection, deeper levels of success and failure than I've I've had in any other setting. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to see and walk people through that, coach my people through that, to allow them to realize their, their biggest dreams, goals, and desires. And know and you get to play a part of that.
0: As you interface with investors and people outside the organization, what do you find yourself most often sharing in terms of advice?
1: I think when it comes to investors, if anybody's ever been in a position where there's an exchange of money for value, the advice maybe isn't necessarily advice given to them, but it really is the advice I give to my people mm-hmm. of we live very transparently. This is who we are. This is what we do. And if you're going to ride on this bus, this is the culture code. This is how we adhere to show the world that this is the journey that this bus is on. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a partaker, man, it's amazing. It's the magic school bus. It just adds seats to those who want to ride. If you don't want to ride, man, there's an off-ramp and we will gladly say, man, we bless you have a great life, go on it, whether it's people in my organization or investors. But the reality of it is is that the bus is headed in this direction and making sure to be very clear that this is what we do, this is who we are, and this is the problem that we can solve for you. And that really, I think, more than anything, encapsulates just being who we are more than sort of the advice of saying what we say. Mm -hmm. And it, it allows us to really just stay true to what we're good at, what we're great at, and how we can help you in the journey that you're on.
0: It reminds me of really the basic marketing tenet that your statement of belief, your statement of purpose is either going to attract and magnetize or it's going to repel. That's it. Which is what you want. You don't want people aligned that are not supposed to be aligned.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: That's great. As we finish up here, Lee, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please, if you would.
1: Oh, man, it'd be my joy. Yeah, absolutely. Father, thank you for Brian. Thank you for his platform. Thank you for the lives that he's touching and reaching. Thank you, Jesus, that the voice of being able to share stories and how story impacts hearts and minds for good, that you've really just put a trumpet to Brian's mouth to help proclaim that and the people that he's met and the unbelievable, successful business owners, leaders, and community members that just really champion that cause. Father, thanks for the ears that this goes to, that it would not go into hard ground, that something that is said today or on other podcasts would just soften the hearts of everybody who hears. Thank you, God, for all of the success and failures that each of these business owners and listeners have gone through, that it just is a part of the story that you're continually writing until all the weeks of our lives are fulfilled. Thank you that the impact that everybody makes, whether small or big, resonates so much for the kingdom. Mm. Whether it's five minas, 10 minas, one mina, but that each to our own capacity and ability is able to to make a difference, to bring honor and glory to you. Thanks that you love us. Thanks that nothing that we could ever do could ever change your mind of how you feel about us. So we love you. We bless you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Lee. So good to hear your story. Thanks, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.